0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. I am your co-host, Justin Knott, and I am very excited about our guest, Dr. E, that we have on today. Um, Dr. E, why don't you introduce yourself and um, before we get started so the guests can get familiar with kind of who you are and what you do.
1: For sure. Hey, Justin, thank you so much for uh, having me and uh, for everyone listening. So my name is Ernesto. I am a physician, a medical doctor. I uh, grew up in Mexico City. I trained in Mexico City, then in the U.S. And uh, my field is regenerative medicine. So I've been doing uh, stem cell treatment, stem cell therapy, stem cell research. I've been involved in that for a little over uh, a decade. And um, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always liked it. And um, what started as a side gig, helping some of my colleagues improve their practices and grow their businesses has now become, as, as my family and I moved to Spain a couple of months ago, and my licensing is taking longer than I expected. It has now become my main gig, and I'm loving it. It's It's been very, very rewarding to be able to help other physicians um, really fulfill their dreams, their financial dreams, and their professional dreams, and still serve their patients.
0: That's excellent. And why? Because I know we've talked a, a lot even before the podcast episode and, and with what you do and just alluded to Why do you think from an entrepreneurial standpoint, why do you think as physicians that this could be kind of one of the answers to kind of what's going on in the healthcare crisis at the moment? Why do you think that this this theory of, of physicians being entrepreneurs could be kind of that answer?
1: Well, this is something that I've been thinking about for for a number of years now, and I recently just learned that uh, uh, Dr. Dr. Zuven, and you know him probably from uh, Dr. Z Dog, and he does a lot of parodies and a lot of uh, videos. He's been talking about this as well, calling it Health 3.0. And basically what happened is, you know in, in the '70s and maybe even a little bit before that and towards the '80s, what happened is that doctors started giving up control of the business of healthcare. On on, in the name of saying, listen, I just want to be a doctor. I just want to focus on my patients. And and these these business people started coming in, and these administrators and the MBA started coming in and saying, listen, doctor, you focus on treating the patients, and we'll focus on running the business. And these are people with good intentions, right? They're not they're not like evil. Uh, these are people with good intentions. But what started happening is that the 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 whole model started changing and we we ended up getting like a fee for value and a bunch of other things and misaligned incentives. And in reality, the big, big, big problem is that doctors no longer control the business of healthcare and never has it been More obvious as it is right now with the current crisis that we're living through, when we're seeing that hospitals don't have enough PPE, hospitals are forcing doctors to work without the proper protective equipment, without the necessary tests. They're cutting costs where they shouldn't be cutting costs. They're cutting uh, salaries. And and when you stop and you think about that, as a physician, no doctor would have made those decisions that these people are making. So my belief is, if we can, if if I can empower. Other doctors through through my company and through some of our efforts, some of the partnerships that we've that we've uh, made over the last couple of, of months, if we can empower more doctors to become entrepreneurs and and, and really be in control of their business, we will be able as as. <laughs> what do you call it, as a group, we will be able to regain the business of healthcare for the benefit of both doctors and patients, because both doctors and patients, and when I say doctors, really I'm talking about the entirety of the medical professionals, so doctors and nurses and uh, physical therapists and, and everyone who's involved in, the, in actually delivering healthcare because right now we 're being commoditized and and nobody really is benefiting from this. the patients are not, and the doctors certainly are not so that's why i'm so passionate about educating and, and equipping my colleagues with the skills necessary to run their own business and 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 be able to serve their patients better
0: yeah that's that's a great point. actually, you brought up something that made me think is about how they've kind of lost their power. We actually have one of our clients mentioned this to me, I thought it was a pretty profound moment, right when the whole COVID kind of hit a boiling point. And I think it started becoming kind of a very scary societal situation. I was chatting with him, and he works on staff at one of the large hospitals in Atlanta. And they had literally locked themselves, the, heads, the head physicians of the hospital in a room, essentially barring the admins and he said what they took away from this, he said, this will be a lesson when we get on the other side to admins that they should not be in charge of this situation. They waited so long to react and made so many bad decisions. This is a unfortunate reality that because providers are not in charge of what you get when that happens. And it was, it's so interesting that you said that because he was like, I told you so.
1: And I want to emphasize, I don't think that they're bad people. I don't think that they have bad intentions. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes people think that, you know, that we're just uh, conspiracy theorists and like, yeah, sure, everyone's out there. I'm not thinking. I'm just saying the people who have never put a hand on a patient and don't know what it is like to deliver healthcare shouldn't be making these calls. They might be great at business, but they should not be making these calls. And that's why I always say, and, 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 and I hope I don't offend any, any MBAs and any business person, that it's easier and, and makes more sense for a doctor to learn business and to learn marketing, to make learn sales and to make learn all these things in order to run their practice than it is for a marketer or a business person to understand the nuances of healthcare and be able to run a healthcare business effectively and efficiently.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And that kind of brings me to, is a good lead-in to kind of one of our, our, really our main topic today. We actually just did a, a blog post about it, but I'm a huge, obviously, people that are listening to this right now of podcasts. And as a physician entrepreneur, you have found podcasting to be, a powerful tool to help doctors create their own voice. Uh, Why do you think as we're kind of shifting gears and talking about podcasting, why do you, why have you placed in your and what you're doing for physician entrepreneurs, such a big emphasis on podcasting as, as an avenue of choice?
1: Well, for the last couple of years, especially as as, as Google has become this all encompassing place, and and you see all, all of my colleagues complain about Doctor Google and how people come up with their diagnosis and people come up with their own ideas and they're following somebody else online that that told them to you know do a juice cleanse or whatnot, and in reality, what I tell sometimes some of my clients is. It's our fault as physicians. And the reason I say it's our fault that patients are doing that is because as physicians, we have stayed back and we have not participated in this activity. I'm not even going to call it a game, but in this activity of of creating content and putting out information, valuable information out there regarding health for patients to consume. Because if, if, if all the information that was out there was from qualified physicians which some of them some of them do don't get me wrong a lot of doctors do put out good content but the overwhelming majority of doctors are not putting this content out there so they're not educating potential patients they're not educating people on this and so people are getting their information from the youtuber of turn right and one of the things one of the barriers that i always saw with the previous generations of content gener- of content creation really is that writing a blog is time-consuming not everyone is a writer of course we can all type but that doesn't make you a writer so it was it was very hard for doctors to really get into that then we started getting i mean although podcasting has been around for a long time Techno- technically or technologically it hasn't been as accessible as it has been for the last maybe 18 months, right? Yeah, for
0: sure. It's really so, exploded. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And after like in between that we started seeing the, the, the rise of Facebook and Instagram and YouTube but all those things require that extra level of, of putting yourself out there, right? Creating good photos and, and engaging and, and, and doing all these things that most of the time most doctors are not comfortable doing. And I think that podcasting, number one, is really, really good for, it's a good medium for doctors because we all talk every day. Every day in our office, we're educating our patients. I
0: was about to say, you're it's- natural educators and teachers. This is kind of what the profession of, of, of a doctor is, is most doctors are natural teachers by trade. Exactly. So it's it's a very natural transition. We don't need to do
1: our hair. We don't need fancy uh, lights. We don't need anything other than what our our cell phones already have. Sure, you can get a nicer microphone, and that's going to set you back, let's say, $50, $100 of equipment if you want to go really, really fancy. But that's really all you need. You can record in, in, in a hotel room. You can record at home. You can record at your office. You can record pretty much like literally anywhere, and it's very easy to generate that content put it out there. That's on the doctor's side. Yep. But then on the, on the listener side, podcasting has one great advantage over every other medium. And it's the only kind of medium that you can consume while doing something else. It yep. doesn't require dedicated time to it. Because if you want to watch a video, you've got to stop doing everything that you're doing and watch the video. Otherwise, you're not watching it. If you need to read something, same thing. If you need to look at you know, a, a photo or anything like that. But podcasting, people can take it with them while they're driving their kids while they're doing the laundry, while they're at the gym, while they're commuting. So it is very easy for them to
0: consume this, right? I I, I could not agree more. And that's that is what is so great is, is so much of America, obviously not right now, but even now, like you said, like most of America commutes. Right now they're not commuting, but then they have more downtime and they're trying to fill that space. And it just, podcasting is such an easy way to consume. And it's refreshing to hear. We've been such kind of, ambassadors to our clients and and, and talking to her blue in the face, because we deal with physicians mainly as, as our in clientele, is most of the time when they think about content creation, it's these long form blog posts. And I'm like, I don't have the time to write 1500, 2000, 2500 words, like a white paper almost. And that is not necessarily what the answer has to be. And I think with the with this mass growth in podcasting, it presents such a great opportunity for doctors to get very involved in the content game, address their niche uh, to a captive audience. But I think that brings up something that all too often when we do deal with clients from content marketing, that they're really struggling to get started. They're kind of arrested to even get out there and get started because they can't figure out topically what they need to be doing. And even if there is an audience a for their niche, and once they do get involved in that, um, in starting a podcast, how do they find topics to continue moving forward? And so do you have any advice within your experience for a finding kind of your sweet spot for what you want to talk about? And then once you do have it trying to make it as easy on yourself to start coming up with ideas. Yeah, for sure, and, and and that's
1: that's a great observation because you're absolutely right. A lot of people will sometimes get very pumped up and motivated about it, and they're yeah, like,
0: and then yeah, they're like, you know. oh, wait, now I got to come <laughs> up with ideas. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. But here's here's the thing: anyone who's been in practice for more than a couple of years has already more than enough material. be creating podcasts so when you stop the first thing you've got to do when you're when you're planning a podcast and, and i'm sure you've recommended this as well to your to your clients when you know when they're redoing their website or when they're starting their first website or when they are starting a blog or a youtube channel is figure out who do you want to talk to on this medium on this channel right so once you figure out what kind of information are you going to put out? Because I have doctors who make podcasts for other doctors. I have yep. doctors who make yeah, podcasts for medical students. I have yep. doctors who make podcasts for patients. I have doctors who make podcasts for in, in regards to health for people who would never be their patients. So yep. it's very important to figure that one out. And once you figure that one out, then if it's for one of your patients or for, for somebody who could be your patient, then just, just think about what are the most common questions that i get and and that alone will give you 15 episodes right there if not i love less.
0: it faqs i'm such a big believer what you just said is everyone is like how do i come up with blog posts or even for seo it's how we talk about how you strengthen pages is doctors get asked a thousand questions a month from their patients And if you just take the time to just like oh that write that down that's such a great idea
1: And now here's the second one, and this is this one's even better because nowadays we know that a lot of our doctors, I mean, it doesn't really apply, for instance, for for direct primary care and all those kind of doctors who do have the time to spend with patients. But most doctors nowadays don't have a lot of time to spend with a patient. So what you need to do right then and there, and what I normally recommend they do is just talk to your staff, ask them if you have a physician liaison, ask them, listen. What are, what are patients concerned about? These patients that you're referring to me or these patients that, that, that are coming from, from, from this one source or when they call you, what are the questions that they have? I, I work a lot, obviously, because of my background. I consult a lot with, with physicians who are offering stem cell treatments. So the easiest way for them to get information in order to, to address on a podcast is just sit down with whomever answers the phone in your clinic. And other than Price ask them, what are the most common questions that you get asked when somebody calls you? What, what do they want to know? And then you'll, you'll be able to start gauging, okay, so people are interested in, in finding out what is the downtime for this kind of procedure? What is the recovery time? What, is, what are the expected results? What are the limitations? What are the side effects? And, and that alone will give you more than enough material because you don't need to speak for an hour. 15 minutes is way more than enough for a lot of cases.
0: Oh, I, I totally agree. It's, and that's that's what's great about a podcast. That's what's great about video. That's what's great is that there, yes, there are blueprints and there's statistical analysis and data you can look up from like the fact that webinars that are 60 minutes long historically perform better than ones that are 30 minutes long and, and two minute video is better. It honestly is, if you create consistency and you create value, you really need to make it yours. And that's what's different. Like Kelly just interviewed... Uh, a girl named Shay Rowbottom, who is massive on LinkedIn right now and just crushing it. And she's created a type of video content that's become really a signature that you see across the board on LinkedIn. And there was no path paved at that. And I I agree, you can make it. There's people that make tons of podcasts that are 10 minutes. And that's their stick is the fact that you can get in and out of their podcast really quickly. And so it really can be Whatever you want it to be, and I think another thing that I like to tell doctors is there is an audience. Just like there's a Facebook group for everything, there's an audience for everything. And I always bring up this one physician who is a close friend of Kelly and I's, and I mean, so he came to our wedding and everything. He's been he's been a friend of ours for over a decade. He's an infectious disease doctor in Atlanta. He has tens of thousands of people coming to his website and people flying in from all over the United States and even inquiries across the world because of what he blogs about, about immunodeficiencies and a unique way that he approaches addressing chronic sinusitis. If he can do it and have a hyper-engaged audience, anybody can. (laughs) I always say that, yeah. And you know what?
1: If you're putting content out there... You are showcasing your expertise exactly. and, and it's not lying. It's not making stuff up. And and there's one example that I always give doctors and I love giving it because uh, you've worked with doctors, you'll understand right away. So I tell them, I said, listen, do you know who's America's doctor? And they immediately rolled their eyes and they say, yeah, 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 Dr. Oz. And I say, yeah, you're absolutely right. Said so if Dr. Oz was to start giving out and offering consultations on health and wellness, do you think he'd be able to charge three or four times as much as you're charging for your services. And they say, well, yes, of course. I say, do you think he'd be able to do that because he's 10 times better than you? They're
0: like, of course not. He's, course, you know, he's yeah, a scammer, exactly. he's,
1: he's a liar, blah, 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 And I say, yeah, but you know what? He has created a brand for himself by putting out content because people recognize him. Yep. And, and as much as it hurts us as doctors to know this, patients don't go to the best doctor. They go to the one they perceive as yep. the
0: best. It's all the social way- proof and thought leadership. That's, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and and the way you can do that is by putting your content out there. Now, there is a risk behind it. And I'm going to tell you what the risk is and what most doctors are afraid of. What are my peers going to think about this? Because if I start talking about things that are fluffy and, and things that aren't super scientific and I don't put out the, the exact reference of the article and this and that, which is the other mistake, they try to make it super scientific. And, and it's not for scientific people. And here's the real answer. Your peers are never going to listen to your podcast, just like they will never read your article and they
0: will yeah. never watch your YouTube video <laughs> yeah. because it's not for them. It's for yeah. a potential patients. Exactly. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a really great point. One of the other kind of, I, I think, things, and even it was something that we ran into when we started our podcast um, a while ago is that can, that can kind of be in the back of your mind, especially now you've kind of, as a doctor, you've come up with the idea, you've written down your FAQs, or you've talked to your staff, you've got the questions, um, and the topics, you do your first couple. But obviously, you're going to hit a point where just like I'm interviewing you now, you want to have guests on. Do you have any advice? Because that can be a great way, especially early on is to piggyback off of other well-established. Um, podcasters or people uh, with that have already carved their own space out as other physicians, as well as just simply connect with your colleagues in the field. What are you doing to help your your clients or people starting podcasts to, to get, kind of get out there and find guests to have on outside of what they're doing individually? Exactly. That, that is, in fact, one of the suggestions that we give them. It's like, listen, you don't
1: even have to come up with all of your content yourself. You can start getting guests to come on because... Once once they define who their ideal listener is, they also need to understand. And one thing that I tell them is like, listen, your friends, your buddies, or your you know people who know you, and they know you're a doctor, right? Yeah, well, of course they know. Like, and they know you're like a orthosurgeon, surgeon, correct? And they say, yeah, sure, sure. They know that I'm a ortho surgeon. But when they see you at a cocktail party and they have a question about, uh, you know menstrual disorders, about fertility, about uh, infectious diseases, do they ask you? And they say, yeah, of course. They say, okay, so that means that people have that curiosity and they trust you because you're a doctor. So you, because you're a professional, you don't want to get into those fields. You don't want to say, oh, I'm just going to do a podcast. I'm going to riff on an infectious disease. But- you know other doctors so you can bring them on and have them share their expertise and their experience with your guests and you can also contribute your own knowledge and your own background as to how that ties together and then it's it's building you up as the expert because you're bringing them to your show you're you're giving that space to them and you're introducing your listeners to them second great advantage is that that is and and I know that we're going to touch upon this and it is marketing your podcast. There's no easier way to market your podcast than to have somebody else market it for you. Because right now I'm here on your podcast. And once this goes live, I will share it with my audience because I know it's of value to them. It's a different perspective to what they normally listen from me and they will want to listen to that. So it serves you and it serves me. Right, so it's it's a great Absolutely. it's a great way to 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 create that synergy and to give you a wider range of topics. Just to give you an example, I have my own podcast, and my own podcast is Doctor E, the Stem Cell Guy, and it's the Highway to Health Show, and. I figured out, well, there's only so much I can talk about stem cells that is of value to these people, but I have a background in regenerative medicine. I have a background in anti-aging and and there are certain areas. So I have mental and physical and uh, emotional, and I bring in experts in those fields. And they're not, they're not all of our physicians. Sometimes we talk about meditation. Sometimes we talk about sleep. Sometimes we talk about child development. Why those topics? Because those are topics that are of interest to my ideal listener.
0: I, I. Totally agree. There's just so many positives about bringing guests on because they just there's so many different perspectives you can gain out of it. It's such a larger audience that you can reach, as you alluded to. Um, and it just gives it It can be it's just something fresh to listen to, too. I just think that that's a, a great way. What do you think? from an actionable standpoint, what have you found some of the most effective ways of connecting? Is it just like using your colleague's email, using LinkedIn, all of the above? What have you found have been uh, good ways to reach out to people that you'd like to have on podcast?
1: Well, pretty much any way that you can and where they are active. I think the biggest mistake is trying to reach somebody in a way that only you are using and you assume that they need to use. So for instance, if somebody wants to have me on their podcast and they send me an email, I'm probably not going to to reply and probably not even in a timely fashion because I, I check my email like once every two weeks. But if somebody sends me a message on LinkedIn where I'm active, they're they're more likely to get a you know to to engage in a conversation with me and we might hit it off. The easiest way and the best way is to just figure something out about that person, connect with them, and don't make it sound like, listen, I know you have a lot of followers, and I would love to have you in my podcast so that I can get some of your audience because that's you're not giving them value. The best way is to figure out okay. What does this person talk about? How is that going to benefit my audience? And how is that going to benefit them? And here's a big trick. And, 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 and this is part of our secret sauce. Your, you, know, you know avatars, obviously, and I'm sure you, you work with your clients on this and you have an ideal listener mm-hmm. avatar, yep. but I also have an ideal guest avatar. And, and the number one person that we try to satisfy and to keep happy and to really wow are our guests. So, so we, you know, we, we give them the white glove treatment. Why? Because we want them to say yes, number one. And number two, we want them to enjoy the interview. So you prepare for the interview. You, you make sure that you have questions that they're interested in and they, that they know how to address. You set them up to hit home runs all throughout the interview so that by the time it comes live, you can say, listen, it's going to be great. Can you help me share this? And they're going to be more than happy to share it and to give you referrals. Once you start getting a couple of these guests, to be on your show, then it's very easy because they will recommend somebody else and they will, they will tell their buddies. We all have buddies in the same field. If, if if you ask me today, like, listen, who else should I have in the podcast? I'm going to give you a couple of referrals of people that are, you know, that I know are going to come here and do a good job. So it's the same thing once you start getting some good quality uh, guests. And the other thing is agencies. Once you start, once you start treating them really well, Agencies, because a lot of these people they want to be on podcast, they hire an agency. So once you start treating these guests well, the agencies will be will be begging you to get their clients on. Right now I have a wait list and I don't even have to solicit clients. I have a list of, of two or three agencies that are constantly submitting guests for us to interview.
0: That's that, yep, that is a uh, that's a really great point. Yeah, all all of that is really effective. I think when you're especially if you're seeking someone larger, what we've found and we've even got interviews from some larger digital marketing um, strategists and CEOs that will be coming out in the coming weeks. And that's what I've noticed is, is it really comes down to, I think, a genuineness in your outreach as far as like, I do enjoy your content. And this is how I see you being able to provide a different perspective to our, our listeners. And if you're willing to spend a little extra time versus just something templated fashion, most people are, are even, even people with very, very large audiences um, are very happy to come on and join if they know that you've had a genuine interest in the outreach attempt.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think that's the that's key word there. A, a genuine interest in what they have to share yeah. and not because you realize that they have, you know, 30,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, because they, they can smell, it. they get pitched. Those people that right now, they're getting pitched every single day. And that's the other thing I was going to say. Don't think that you need to bring in these super big influencers. Let's say I can get, I I have a business podcast and I can get Gary B to come on it. He's not really going to push that one episode as much as some other guy who only has that one episode coming up and that's his content strategy for that week. And you, and you help them, you save this bacon by creating content for him that week. He's going to push it with everything he's got.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's that is that's a really great point. There are there are trade offs, and and the larger that they get, unless you're very large, especially if you're in your infancy, there definitely is an unlikeliness that they're going to be incentivized to share, 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 share your material, and that can be a little deflating too if you get somebody big, and and then yeah. it ends up not being really reciprocated. So I do think it, it's finding that right balance, and kind of as you grow, you grow your interviewer, but if you find people to interview that fit your audience well and are very hungry to grow their social network too. So they see the value and that's another piece of content. Like you said, you're going to get a lot more out of those in the long run.
1: And then again, it might not even be as valuable for your audience. So for instance, in my, in my field, so in in the health and wellness space, like the biggest podcast, you think about Dave Asprey and you think about Ben Greenfield and you think about all these like super intense, uh, you know, health freaks and what happened that I noticed, and although I listened to those episodes and I, and I follow most of these guys, and I think many of them are, are really, really good. The truth of the matter is most of the listeners that I wanted to target who are the parents of who were my former patients and children with autism and things like this, and I wanted to target them, they are not connected enough to these people. These, these super intense freak People are too far off for them, and I wanted to create a, a show that was kind of like bridging the gap between mm-hmm. the the, the biohackers and the couch potatoes, almost. Yep. So if I bring in Dave Asprey, they probably will not listen to it as much as if I bring in somebody that they can empathize with a, a little bit more, right? So so those are also things. Don't get don't get fixated that you need to have you know uh, ten thousand downloads a month, and you need to have all those huge numbers. You can you can do some very very good with just a couple hundred downloads a month offering your podcast and you're serving your audience and you're building your brand and you're creating your tribe.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. So as we're kind of going through, we've talked about kind of why it's important, how to find your niche and your topics, how to get guests on your podcast. How do you, once you kind of get cranked up, you get going, what have you seen historically? How long does it usually take to, I guess, and, and everybody's got a different point of success, like you said, whether it's downloads or more patients or X, Y, and Z visibility or social growth. But what do you see typically from a traction standpoint that it usually takes to start to get get moving and get in a good group with a podcast? So the magic number
1: is eight. We know that most podcasts never make it past eight episodes so i always set us a goal listen let's make sure let's make sure that we that we put 10 episodes out there um and and then we can start talking and we, we can start thinking about something else and then most of the time like for instance when i started my podcast i said okay i'm going to do a weekly podcast and i'm going to do a weekly podcast week in week out for one year so 52 episodes and then i'll figure out if i want to continue by episode 20-something, I decided, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, but in reality, traction, it, it depends on how you define it. And this this comes also with gauging expectations. We see all the time, we see these, these courses online about how to start a podcast, and, and they walk you through all the basics and all the technology and how to sign up and how to set up an account and all those things. But they don't necessarily tell you, what you should be looking for and how to define success. And people are expecting for somebody to come to them and say, oh, I'll sponsor you and I'll pay you $6,000 a month to be on, you know, for you to mention my my product or my service or whatever it is. And and that's, that's not the right metric to be looking at. Now, somebody else might say, well, I want to have X amount of patients a lot of times that's also not even a good metric because let's say that you know your listenership is all throughout the US and you're expecting people to come visit you to your office in you know Oklahoma city so that's not going to be very likely what i think is that if you give it about 10 episodes and you're consistent about it and you have a back end strategy to start gathering these people's information to so start collecting their emails start retargeting them somehow, start delivering value to them so that you can be growing your tribe, then you're doing exactly that. You are growing a tribe. You're starting a movement. You're creating a personal brand. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to just, once you get to a thousand, you're going to start selling them stuff. But you are going to continue to nurture them. And they alone will give you further exposure and further exposure so that when the time comes, like right now we're seeing, a lot of our, our clients, yours and mine, have been stopped from practicing right now because they, they do elective procedures, right? But if they had a brand, they could continue serving these people. They could continue serving their tribe and maybe right now pivot into, okay, let's create an online course for how to maintain your immunity throughout COVID so that, you know, and they're serving them and people will be happy to pay them $50 or $100 for that course. And and they would be able to start generating some revenue right now. These, this is the kind of thing that, that that you plan for it's it's kind of like putting deposits in the bank, and that's what I that's that's why I say it's more important about being consistent than to be looking at metrics and saying okay yeah it's working or it's not working just be consistent for ten episodes and then gauge.
0: That's a, that's a great point. Um, I I think that you just brought up because I actually had a couple episodes back where you had John Wall on, which if you're in the marketing world, he he has a marketing podcast called Marketing Over Coffee. That's one of the bigger ones. But he is a firm believer, and I think you just brought up a good point that you touched on, is creating your own content and thought leadership foundation and why it's so important because you can control so many unknown variables when you do that. Like you just mentioned, if your practice gets shut down or say you're driving um, business through Google ads or your Facebook page or Facebook ads, and what if... One of those closes, or they triple in cost, but if you have this engaged community, whether it's a facebook group or or a large email audience or a forum that you've built, that's yours to keep and it's and and it's and no one can take that away from you. and I think that's what's really powerful long term it gives you if you invest in that, it gives you so much more control versus being tethered to Facebook ads or or whatever else that may be that if you make it yours and it's your content and your audience then you can do you can do whatever you need to inside of that uh, in that space.
1: So every every regenerative medicine practice so every stem cell practice physician in the U.S. who just heard you say that right now immediately thought about last September when Google from you know, from like overnight, announced that they were stopping all ads for what they called unproven therapies, which included yeah. Yeah. stem cell therapy. Yeah. So overnight, they shut down all their ads. And some of these people, they had been, they had just hired some of these companies. They pay them twenty, thirty thousand dollars to create yep. a, a funnel and to do all sorts of things based on I'm going to get leads from Google Ads. And suddenly, Google says, like, yeah, no, well, that's nope. we're not allowing that anymore. Yep.
0: And you saw it. I mean, you unfortunately saw it with Facebook when their IPO happened and they went public. And if you look at a trends graph, there has been an indirect or an inverse relationship between their stock price increasing, take COVID out, but say, look at 2019. And historically, with their stock price increase and their organic reach decrease. And unfortunately, lots of businesses were shuttered overnight when they went from they had a million likes on their business Facebook page and crushed it as an e-commerce business or a medical spa or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden their reach went from 90% when they posted down to 1%. Yeah. And they had to leverage Facebook ads. And then overnight, everything was closed. And even then you're you're posting ads
1: and if you don't have the ability to follow up with these people, except through Facebook, Facebook is still going to charge you that tax yep. to reach them. Exactly. So it's it's always, it's always important. That's what I always tell people like, listen, there's nothing challenging about grabbing your phone and speaking into it and uploading it to Anchor. It's going to yep. take you 15 minutes and, and you've got a podcast. You can now tell the world that you've got a podcast. The problem is, or or the challenge comes in, what's your purpose behind it? And, and, and you need to have an overall plan and strategy because there's nothing more disappointing than to see somebody spend the time. And I'm sure you've seen this with blogs and you've seen this with YouTube channels when doctors finally decide to bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm gonna do this, but they forget that it's not you build it, they will come. Now you need to market it. And and really marketing the podcast is 90% of the battle. It makes no sense to have the most amazing podcast if nobody listens to it.
0: yeah. I, I totally agree. And what you, what you just said is so true. Gary V mentioned it on his podcast. You'd mentioned him earlier, but I I, I firmly believe the technology that exists in my iPhone 11 um, it was literally worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, even, even 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, think of the level of mass communication and audience that you can reach and the level of, of, of people that would have taken back in the day in the 90s or the early 2000s to accomplish that. I mean, it was really only like USA Today and the New York Times and those people that had those and they were spending hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to put things together that you can literally in 30 seconds create on your phone and hit post on something like Anchor or Libsyn and post it out to 45 different platforms. And that's just, it's amazing. It's it's all right right in your pocket. Yeah, And all over the world. All over the world. Yeah, I mean, a global broadcast network that can reach potentially millions of people, creating content and distribution channels. That I mean, was, like I mentioned back in the '90s, I mean, you would have invested tens of millions of dollars to get that kind of reach. Exactly, exactly. And and now we all have it, but it's yes. it's a
1: matter of of really figuring out how are we how are we going to make sure that now people can listen to us because the problem is that because we have it most of the world has it. So generating content is no longer the barrier of entry. Anyone can generate a lot of content. Now, how do we figure out, how do we get people to actually consume it and be yeah. interested in it? And that's when we have to start thinking like marketers. So my mentor, Darren Hardy says that every business does two things. They build stuff and they sell stuff and they market stuff. Most businesses suck at number two. Yep. They, they I, I just pre- focus on, on product. This is my product. I'm enamored with it. I I am gonna make it better than the competitors. I'm gonna add all these things and blah blah blah. But then then we all suck at selling and marketing it.
0: Yep. Uh, what I I, I I totally agree with that. <laughs> as as an entrepreneur, I could not agree with that more. Um, what are your? Because I I mean the theory is out there, and even if you look at the really good the guys that are doing it really good and have established high levels of thought leadership and, and tons of different verticals, it's really that kind of adage of you spend 10 times more time marketing something than you do actually creating it. So what are your biggest tips once you get, you got your podcast flow down, you create an episode or, or you create a season, whatever it is, what are your biggest tips for the listeners out there getting that 100th that download or 1,000th download and, and starting to gain, once you do get kind of the traction you're talking about, what's your biggest marketing tips that they should be aware of? So, marketing a podcast is just like marketing
1: a blog or a YouTube channel. It's all based on SEO, and I know you're going to love this because that's that's your thing.
0: Yeah, you speak my language for sure.
1: Exactly, exactly, and and you're going to totally recognize this. As a matter of fact, I saw a video or an article that you posted recently talking about SEO for your YouTube channel. What what were you saying? Do you remember what what you mentioned about the description?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's, it's very similar as you said, podcasts fall in the category that videos do is if you think about it, like a blog post, and the way that Google's algorithm works, things should be structured very similarly from keyword front loading the keyword and the title tags, transcribing your video so you can get that full description inside of there and then backlinking it back to whatever focal point back on your website. But it's a very similar process that you should go through in video as you do your blog. And I'm sure podcasts you would say are probably pretty similar. Exactly.
1: And that's that's the one thing that I wanted to touch upon because that is the one thing that most people neglect. People neglect this so much, so much more than when you look at all those YouTube videos, and and the description is literally one sentence. Yeah. Instead of taking advantage of the, yep. I think it's like fifteen hundred characters that 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 uh, YouTube allows you. or Actually, probably even more, like two thousand, right? Yeah. I think well, it's,
0: yeah, it's like twenty five hundred to five thousand, something along that, those lines.
1: So here's the trick: in the podcasts, in the in in the podcast itself, so in your podcast host, you can add both a summary and the description. On top of that, when you encode the MP3 file, you can add a summary and a description there so that people are finding it one way or another. You gotta remember, all of this is stored in computers and they're they're searching for all these different keywords. So once you identify the keywords, that's another big one. I'm sorry, actually before that is we need to figure out what's of interest to our, to our ideal audience And then we figure out what are the keywords so that you can think about, and if you know that you're going to bring in an expert in, let's say, in stem cell therapy, and you know that some of the common keywords around that is stem cell therapy for autism and stem cell therapy for this and umbilical cord stem cells, you want to make sure that you mention those keywords throughout the interview right and that you that you say them don't don't make it robotic but make sure that you do mention those and then there's the other thing that a lot of people neglect which are the show notes imagine if you could do a youtube description with absolutely no limitations as to what kind of markup you can put in there, yep. which means that you can put links to to other sites, you can put videos, you can put uh, links to more of your stuff, you can put the the entire transcript, you can put links to the to the guests' page and website, and they can link back to you. you can literally do that, and you should be doing that for every single one of your episodes and I do believe that's probably one of the biggest things that we do for our clients, which is we create these super rich show notes because for most podcasters, that takes a lot of time. And that's almost an afterthought. They're like, oh yeah, show notes. I'll just put episode 14. I interviewed so-and-so and here's the links to his page. That's a waste. That's a waste of marketing opportunity. Now, the good news is that you can go back to your show notes and retroactively Optimize them for SEO so that you will be you will be found, and definitely add a, a transcript.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree. It's an opportunity sitting right in front of you to create a blog post out of your show notes, and then because one of the biggest ranking factors for search is you've got this kind of the show notes that you've turned into a blog post. You put the podcast at the top, and then what you just talked about, you can even elaborate further if you really want to get into it and create a video or two. Imagine how long you can keep somebody if you have a 30 minute podcast episode. You post out the link on, say, your LinkedIn, going back to your blog post that has your show notes about it. They click on it, they come, and they will sit on that blog post listening to that episode potentially for 30 minutes if they scan the show notes and then watch a video or two, you could have them an on-page time of 45, 50 minutes, an hour. Exactly. And that is massive, massive on-page time for your website that is going to help the overarching SEO of your site as a whole exactly and and that's another that's another thing to consider a lot of
1: the podcast hosts are now offering so the podcast hosting platforms so simplecast and Buzzsprout, and uh, old libsyn all these different platforms a lot of them are offering show notes pages so they will have a show notes page for your uh, for your episode i strongly encourage people to not use those ones because once again, they're being very limited. It's like just resorting to the yeah, default YouTube that. description that you can have. Just host it in your website and, and, and make sure that the rest of your website is, is getting some of that juice that you're going to be generating from that super rich SEO. And, and you have the ability to put as much stuff as you want in there. You can link to other similar episodes. So you categorize them and that way they automatically are linked to the other episodes. They're rich. And here's the second part. You make it all about the guest. If you visit any of the show notes, for instance, of of my show, I don't want to be talking about our clients uh, because I haven't asked them if that's okay, which I'm sure it probably is. But um, but if you visit my website for for the podcast and you look at the show notes, it's all about the guest. We actually just recently added a guest page so that if if somebody has been in more than one episode, they can they can see them there. And, and they're in love with that part and they send their traffic over there and, and they like it and then they will they will link to it because if, if, if it's not about them, they might not share the link to your episode. They'll share the link to the player. They'll share the link so that people can download the episode on, on their app. And remember, your goal is to get people on your website because that's when they're likely to join your newsletter, your your email list. That's when they're like. That's when you'll be able to pixel them and retarget them, and that's where you'll be able to do all those things. So, if you make it all about the guest, the guest will be happy to share that information with with their tribe.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I think that's one of the big. And what's great too is, from a transcription standpoint, is there's so many different services out there that can do it. From obviously actually yeah. manually having somebody do it. Sonic, Otter, those are AI technologies that are out there. Google Transcript, uh, I mean, Google Transcribe. There's, there's so many different technologies out there, from free to. So there's like, one.
1: There's one I really like mm-hmm. that is called Alphonic a-u-p-h-o-n-i-c and what they do is they do sound leveling and they do a bunch of other things they encode your mp3 files and uh, and that's how i encode my mp3 files so i record i send it to my sound editor he sends it back and because i like doing this stuff i do this for myself but we also my team does this for clients so they send me back the the wave file and i encode it in, in audible you put in A custom graphic, so you put a custom graphic to each episode. That's also very important because if the custom graphic of the episode with the guest has his picture, he's more likely to share it than if it has the generic podcast graphic. So we make sure that we have his picture and we have his name right there in big letters, big bold letters. So we encode the file there with a phonic. And the great thing about a phonic is that you can connect it to, for instance, I have connected it to my uh, Google Transcribe and to my dropbox and to my youtube channel so it can create an an audio graph that goes directly into youtube it can create a it can encode everything and put it in dropbox so that it syncs automatically to my to our to our producer's uh, computer and she can upload and create the, the the show notes and all those things and it transcribes it automatically so you literally just log in there and it uploads and processes the whole thing and they charge you it it is 11 dollars $11 a month because it's ten euro, ten euro a month, and you get ten hours of credit, and it's free for two hours a month. So they give you two free hours every month.
0: Wow, that's you. T- you just taught me something new too. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's it's, a not, really- it's not
1: very well known. It's it's a it's a German site, and I don't know how I even stumbled upon it. And uh, and I have actually told him and I said, listen, don't for me, but you should totally charge more for what you're doing because this is this <laughs> not is me. Pretty but thorough. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know, don't, don't do this to me, but, but you could totally get away with charging more for this. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's that is really fantastic. That's uh, if you leave with anything today, that's a that's a great tip from from a fellow chronic podcaster that we have found great success using podcasting. That was a very valuable tip because I didn't even know about that. And it, that is one thing it can be a little pain from Getting transcription, especially accuracy, but taking that and then getting the kind of the next steps in the process taking place can be a chore. So that's yeah, yeah.
1: Just just to be clear, Alphonic doesn't transcribe, but it does connect to to Google's Translate to Google Transcribe API. So you get the Google the Google translated file, which still needs some tweaking. um, Yeah, you know, but it's it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's 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 great tip. So before we wrap up. Now we've talked about all of the success side of podcasting. Um, As people go through this and they hit some of these roadblocks and hurdles, what are some of the most common mistakes that listeners that are going to, hopefully they had a light bulb moment and start their own podcast? What are things that from a foresight perspective that you could help them hopefully avoid?
1: So the number one is to be overwhelmed. When when you decide to start doing this and you start looking at what you're going to need and, and how to do with it, and I just said, listen, it's not about just creating, but you also have to market and you have to do these things. Don't get overwhelmed. The most important thing is to take the first step. And if your first four episodes nobody listens to, it's fine. If they are if they suck, you can even go back and delete them. The The most important thing is to really get started because what I see that most people struggle with is, Starting putting it out there. Yeah, and great point what happens if you put in put out six episodes and 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 you hate doing it And it's not your thing you delete it and that's it. That's the end of it Nobody's gonna come over and criticize you nothing bad's gonna happen. You say listen. I tried it didn't work shut it down That's it so the number one is overwhelm there there is a learning curve for sure, but you know, most of our clients are doctors. You've already gone through medical school. That's what I tell them. Listen, it's not brain surgery. You're already a brain surgeon. That you've done the hard part. You can learn how to podcast, and 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 we're standing by if you need if you need some help. Uh, maybe you've already started your podcast and you want to optimize that. We're also available if, if if you'd like to talk to us right now with this with this whole COVID thing. We we've been forced to transition a little bit our business because we realized that a lot of our clients were not going to be able to serve and to see a lot of their patients. So it's a great opportunity for them to start this. So really we're making our services super affordable. If you just want to chat and get some ideas, honestly, just, just visit the website and book a time. We'll be happy to talk to you. I'll be happy to talk to you if I have time on my schedule and, and answer a couple of questions to help you get started. Because like I said at the beginning, my mission, why I started doing this is because I need, we all need more physician entrepreneurship because. I have a two-year-old boy and he's going to grow up and I want him to grow up in a world where doctors and where the healthcare system is not broken. And in order for that to happen, we need to have more doctors who are entrepreneurs. And I think that podcasting is a great way to do it. So if I can help you get started, please do let us know. But in order to to overcome this, literally the number one mistake, the number one hurdle that I see is overwhelm. It's not as hard as you think it is. Just yeah. get started.
0: I think I think that is... The most simple yet profound statement, and it's been part of my personal journey watching Kelly, um, if you listen to this podcast, you know who Kelly is, um, watching her journey is it took us a long time, both of us in our own, I think, personal journeys of getting in front of the camera, doing podcasting, um, even writing very in depth very analytical level marketing blogs because there's, a, there's obviously a rawness and an openness you have to put yourself out there uh, that it can be tough to get over as well as just the overwhelming feeling of getting started and what this could potentially mean. And to see it really, that is really the most important step is literally just doing it. And more than likely you're going to hate, like looking back, we get a kick out of like the first stuff that we ever put together and we will get a kick out of what we're doing now five years from now, when hopefully it's elevated to the 10th degree, but we got started. And now we went from like being afraid to do video to where we literally have a video and podcasting studio set up in our house. So we're like all in, but you don't, yeah. And so it it is. And and same with you. I'm sure when you started and now we've done video chats and you've got your own studio set up and it's like, it, you'll get there, but the big thing is starting and you probably will get a kick out of the stuff when you look back, but you're going to get so much better over time. If, you, if, it's, if, it does, if it is something that you enjoy and you like to do, you're going to get so much better over time and provide so much more value and become so much more streamlined, but you just got to get started. That's, that's what I was gonna say. You're gonna get better and you're gonna get better really, really fast. And yep. you're so fast that you're even
1: going to forget how bad you were at first. And it's happening to me right now. One of the things that we started doing is we didn't start doing, we recorded on Zoom, both video and audio. And at first we didn't release the video. We just released the, the audio and we created audiograms, which are those videos, which is just a graphic and you see some waves moving in the background with the episodes that we could have on YouTube. As the episodes have been turning one year old, um, we've been going back and and because we have the original Zoom recordings, we've been going back and creating the videos just like we create for 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 newer episodes. And just looking at what the first couple of episodes were like, it's it's kind of like oh my god, I was awful <laughs> at this,
0: <laughs> and, and
1: it's normal, it's it's expected. Yep. And you can only learn you you can you can only learn how to swim by jumping in the pool.
0: Yep, so I you got to do it. Yep. Yeah, you just got to because it's when you get one year, five year, 10 years down the road, you'll have so much more skill set, but you won't if you don't get started. Yep. All right. So I I, I, I mean, I learned a bunch. I just learned about that. <laughs> Alphonic, which was excellent. Um, so hopefully, I hope the listeners learned a bunch. I really appreciate you, Dr. E for coming on. But before we do wrap up, I know you alluded to it and mentioned it in the beginning of the show, but how can people get connected to you if they do want to learn about starting a podcast or just get connected with you on LinkedIn? Uh, tell us some ways that the listeners can get connected with you.
1: Yeah, so uh, so we've actually put together a new site, uh, like I said, because we saw the need for this and we're also helping some other entrepreneurs other than just physicians. So we created a standalone site at podcastinabox.co. So you can just go to podcastinthebox.co and uh, and, and you're going to see all the options there and you're going to see what, what we're about and what we can help you. There are some freebies, there are some options. Now, for all of our listeners right now, what, I'm, what I've what I've put together for you, and, and this is something that we normally charge for, but I'm going to give it to you for free in exchange of making you jump through a little hoop. And that little hoop is not going to cost you anything. All you need to do is go to your podcast app wherever you're listening to this and find the podcast convert, Uh, podcast the the patient convert podcast and write a review for it it can be positive or negative Uh, it's probably going to be positive and uh, and take a screenshot of that and then go to podcastinabox.co forward slash patient convert and you're going to see a form, you can upload it, uh, You can upload the, the screenshot there so that I know that you actually went ahead and did it. And I'm going to give you a full strategy call. It's a one-hour strategy call so that we can strategize from start to finish what you're going to need for your podcast. You're going to walk away with, with your ideal listener avatar, the type of show that you should be doing, some ideas for a title, and a bunch of other things just for you to really decide when you're going to start doing that.
0: I appreciate that, Dr. E. Well, just let me know if they do leave a bad review, though. You'll have to give them some bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll cancel that call. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that. And yeah, definitely make sure you connect with him on LinkedIn, too. We'll obviously have everything in the show notes, but he's super active on LinkedIn. Um, we do a, a lot of uh, sharing back and forth on LinkedIn, too. So if you do go to his post, you're probably going to see both Kelly and I um, uh, interacting and commenting and sharing a lot of his uh, his materials. So, yeah, make sure that you all connect. and. Thank you again for listening. And doctor, and you e, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing a little bit of your, uh, your wisdom and helping doctors become better entrepreneurs and look forward to uh, hopefully having you on again. Yeah, for sure. You let me know, Justin. I had a great time. I'll be happy to come back.
2: Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at Entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynott.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course